The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind, it filled their hearts. Through the years of preaching here at the gospel, uh, God, I, I, I am, I'm strange. Probably understatement there, but I'm fairly strange. Uh, I, I, you know, everybody's unique. Some more unique than others. Uh, but God just said it leads me in, in some areas that I have never even heard preached on. I've never even heard mentioned. As is the sermon this morning. I've never heard this preached. I've never heard this mentioned. I've, and all the reading, and I've tried to do a lot of reading in my life and proliferate in reading of things of God, going to school for all those years. I never have heard this mentioned, but when I began to look it up in the commentaries, it actually is talked about, but not in the fashion that I'm going to this morning, but it is true nonetheless, no matter how rare it may be. The title of the message is, Jesus Was Ugly. And I have the most reverence for Christ as I possibly could have. I am not insulting him at all. I am stating a fact. A biblical fact that's worded for us in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Within the first three verses there, which we're going to just do a little exposition on this morning, and then some application, I hope we can explain out of those three verses why Jesus was treated the way he was. In, in, in maybe a larger measure than for what he said. And for what he did. Because from what Jesus said and did, he should not have been treated the way he was. you agree with that? I mean, Jesus went around preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist did the same thing. And he healed. Sometimes the Bible says he healed the whole village. Everybody in that whole place that was sick. What if, what if Jesus would come in a place like this and empty out? Lee Memorial, and empty out Health Park, and empty out North Collier, and empty out Collier down there on 4th Avenue, and empty out Gulf Coast. I'll tell you what, they'd have a warrant for his arrest because he's ruining the hospital business. But he'd go into place, and everybody get, everybody get healed. Everybody. Everybody. Now, how much of that's recorded in the Bible? Very, very. Only, I believe, 36 miracles. No, 34 miracles are recorded in the whole of the Gospels. There are 48 parables and 34 miracles. I'm close if I'm not exactly right on that. And so, my, oh my, Jesus did hundreds and thousands and thousands and maybe, yay, hundreds of thousands of miracles. I mean, he had three years that he walked up and down those villages, and there was a lot of sick folks, just like there's a lot of sick folks here. There was a lot of sick folks there. Let's read Isaiah 53, 1 through 3, and see what God will give us today. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. I want you to put a little question there. Why? He was despised, and we esteemed him not. If you read down, I'm not going to this morning for time, if you read the rest of that chapter, that is, by the way, among the Jewish folks, that is considered the forbidden chapter. They're told not to read Isaiah 53, because if you read Isaiah 53, there's only one person in history that qualifies as Jesus Christ. If you read Isaiah 53, or Isaiah 7.14, or Isaiah 9.6, and you put those things together, and you go into the Gospels in Matthew chapter 1, you've got to say, Jesus! It was Jesus! Was the Messiah that was to come. And if you go to Psalms and start looking at some of the things in Psalms that were fulfilled by Jesus, there's no other person in history comes close. None that fits it. It was him. He had come. But this morning, I want to just really concentrate because of the time in just the area that it speaks about in the first three verses. You and I are very sight-oriented. I tell women in my counseling, I do much, I do much marriage counseling. No, I do some marriage counseling, and I think I'm a good marriage counselor. And my wife said, I've made every mistake. But the Bible is the best place you can go for marriage advice, trust me. There's no better book than the Bible. But it's hard to find it all there. You have to have some help. The book that we reprinted by Jim Benning called The Ministry of Marriage is one of the finest books on marriage. In fact, I've had people in this church tell me after they read Benny's book, it saved my marriage. We've had testimonies over and over about that. And if you haven't read it, please get it and read it. The Ministry of Marriage. It'll help you put it all together. But we're sight-oriented. And one of my things that I tell women about their men, because there are some things you have to tell men about their women, because are women not a little hard to understand, men? Let's try it again. Are not women a little hard to understand, men? Most of you are scared, aren't you? Uh, and, and, and are not men hard to understand, ladies? Look at the difference in the response right there. Right there, it tells you something. But... Men are sight-oriented. When I married my wife at 19 years, no, she was 18, I was 19. I told her, I want you to look the way you look today at 60. Oh, don't you moan and groan. She weighed 99 pounds. I said, now, girl, I don't want you too far away from 99 pounds when I'm 60 years old because I'm sight-oriented. Meaning, I, uh, I put a lot of weight on what I see, not what you are. People say, well, love me for what's inside. It's hard to get through to that. You can fight it, but you ain't going to win. Men, especially men, but all of us actually, all of us. Are you kidding me? Women are sight-oriented. Women are sighted oriented. How much emphasis do you see in commercials if you watch any TV on beauty? Beauty products. Oh, get your hair done. Make sure your lipstick's just so so. Little eyeshadow. And on and on it goes for the women. I mean, the shoes, the dresses, all of that is about one thing. What? Beauty. Beauty, 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 beauty. 
there's this, this is, you drink this and you lose weight. You do this and you lose weight. You do, and then all these, all that is about the outside. Clothing, makeup, hairstyles, laser, skin treatments, coloring of the hair, which I do not. Dental work. We go and spend thousands on our teeth so that we, we have some sort of a smile. And I've noticed that people get promoted and uh, they get let in line, especially girls, get let in traffic, doors open for them. They get hired to jobs, given positions because of their outward look. You know it's so. Beautiful women get led into traffic ten times sooner than ugly girls. I didn't say you were going to like this message. I said it was going to be the truth. We men are as cheap as you get. We see a good girl. Oh, here. We see some old homely girl. We're bad. Let's just admit it. We're bad. We're, we're, we're impacted by sight. Now, when you get to the mature age of 63, it doesn't affect you nearly as much. You're spiritual and looking way past all of that. But I'm talking about the rest of you. Men fall down in front of a beautiful woman. They cater to her every need so that they can just get her look of approval. Just her eye contact look of approval. That's it. And, and some of you girls in here say, Bill, that doesn't happen to me. Well, outward appearances open many doors in this old world. The tall, handsome man gets opportunities in the business world that the short, fat, homely guy doesn't get. It's true. Uh, have you ever heard of the small man's complex? It's real. The tall, why is it that these guys that, that, that oftentimes get to be presidents of companies and president? it can't just be coincidence that they're six foot tall and they have that look of, they call it the executive look. They'll say to me, that guy's got a, he's got an executive look about him. I said, what's that mean? The rest of us don't? Yes, that's what it means. My mother-in-law, God bless her soul, her memory. I asked her, I said, who'd you vote for for president? She said, I voted for Bill Clinton. I said, Ma, why did you do that? She said, he's a good-looking man. <laughs> Listen to me. I've lived a while. I, I, this is not speculation. This is the truth, and biblically the truth. The whole scenario started when my wife and I were driving up to Bismarck, North Dakota, on a wild and crazy mission to go fishing. We drove three days, 2,442 miles from my house to Leonard, uh, Ernie Leonard's house. Uh, we were, in, in total, my wife and I spent 95 hours in the truck together. You know we're happily married because we didn't stop, rent a car, and have her drive separately. Or better yet, stop by a Harley dealer and buy a motorcycle and drive it back home. No, we, we, we drove 95 hours together in that and had a good time together. 
But during that, I got tweaked as I was meditating about Jesus and why he was not believed more. Think about it this way. After, after healing whole villages of everybody that was sick. Now, we're talking about people that were crippled up that never had walked. We're talking about blind people. We're talking about people who not, could not hear or speak. We're talking about not little stuff. We're not talking about people getting over a cold. We're talking about transform, life-transforming healing. Now, you would think after that kind of thing that there would have been a Jerusalem when the feast days were there, that, that when, they was, when he started getting condemned, that they'd have been all over supporting him. Where were Jesus' supporters? Where were they? When he was being condemned. You know, the Bible says the Jews feared the people. Had the people risen up for Jesus, he would not have been crucified. They would not have crucified him. But they didn't. They didn't. He was not believed. So that's a mystery. It's been a mystery my whole life. What was it? What was it that... What was it that they just didn't want to believe this man? They just didn't want to give him credit. They believed. In fact, they started saying, well, you know, um, he just doesn't have that. They must have looked at him and said, look, it has to be in some measure that the reason Jesus was rejected by them as their Messiah and their king was because of his looks, was because of the way he looked. Uh, he just didn't have that kingly guy look. Uh, he just didn't look like a prince. Uh, no way this is our long-awaited Messiah. Truly, surely he would not look like him as he was presenting himself as their Messiah. Why? The Gentile kings, they were normally handsome and tall and winsome and powerful in their demeanor. No way could Jesus, this guy Jesus, looking the way he looks, from, of all places, Nazareth. Why, does any good thing come out of Nazareth? No. Look in the Scriptures and see if any prophet comes out of Nazareth. You know, when they say that, I want to say, I want to grab one of them and say, how about you ask him where he was born? Your life depends on it. Your future depends on it. Ask him where he was born. It was so out of the question, I believe, in part because of the way he looked, that they didn't even ask him the question. By the way, they ask him a lot of questions. You know that. You've read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They ask him a lot of questions. But they didn't ask him, where were you born? I was born in Bethlehem. What? They knew, Micah 5, 2, that out of Bethlehem she'd come forth to me, that'd be ruler in Israel. They knew the prophecies of Bethlehem. All he had to say was, oh, I've come out of Bethlehem. But he didn't. They didn't ask. I think in part, Isaiah 53, 1 through 3, tells you exactly why they didn't ask. Because they were so carnal. They were so flesh-oriented. They were so world-oriented that they didn't even consider him as to be the king of kings and lord of lords that was to come. Prophesied so many times through the major and minor prophets of the Old Testament, all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It couldn't be him. It couldn't. It just couldn't. No, 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 no. 
It must be that the miracles he did were of the devil. And didn't they say that? Yeah. It must be the stories that were told about him. It must have been blown out of proportion. It must have been by a bunch of wild-eyed folks who wanted to believe it. But really, as you know, things pass on from person to person. They get blown up bigger and bigger. And it, truly, it couldn't have been the one. The leaders who knew the Bible and the prophecies, they rejected him outright for the majority. It's amazing, but it's a thrill in a way to know who God is a little bit. That God disguised his son in a shroud of humility. There is no beauty. There's no form. There's no comeliness. There's no beauty. Look the words up. I did. That's all talking about the outside. That we should be attracted to him or desire him. That we should be attracted to him. In fact, it repelled them. God disguised his only begotten son in an ugly body. In a homely look. Wow. Where it says there in verse 2, For he shall grow up before us as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. And Jameson Fawcett Brown says about that phrase, it says, Messiah grew silently and insensibly as a sucker from an ancient stock, seemingly dead. John Gill says about that phrase, he says, Liable to be crushed with the foot or destroyed with frost, and no great probability of coming to any perfection, and the figure denotes the mean and unpromising appearance of Christ at his incarnation, which is the reason given by why the Jews in general disbelieved and rejected and despised him. That's John Gill. John Wesley says about this passage, and the reason why the Jews will generally reject their Messiah is because he shall not come into the world with secular pomp. He shall grow up or spring up out of the ground before him, before the unbelieving Jews of whom they spake. In Isaiah 51.1, who hath believed our report, of whom has the arm of the Lord uh, been revealed. They were witnesses of his mean, meaning low origin. Therefore they despised him, a tender plant, small and inconsiderable, and as a root and a branch grows out of a dry ground, barren ground, he had no form, no bodily presence, and shall be mean and contemptible. That was John Wesley's idea. He said Jesus, to look at him, was contemptible. Now I know I am really rubbing the cat the wrong way this morning. Because everything that's been written or visualized about Christ has been handsome, tall, handsome man. But it says there's no beauty. How much beauty? None. There's no form. That's the outward form of him to be attractive. How much? No. There's no comeliness. How much comeliness? None. Now, folks, that doesn't mean he was a little homely. That means he was ugly. 
nothing to attract your eye, nothing to pull you to look at him. Instead, when glancing at Jesus Christ, you wanted to look away. And by the way, all of us have had this experience in, in life. There is no beauty that we should desire and think about it. Think about it. This revolutionized your mental picture of Jesus. This will revolutionize your picture of Jesus. Because we all have an image of Jesus Christ. Going back to when I was a small kid, there was a picture of Jesus that was painted knocking on a door. Uh, I really, I think it was uh, Revelation 3.10. It it, and it had been painted, and he was a... He, was, he had a good form and a, and a beautiful countenance about him, and he was knocking on a door. And it's every picture I've ever seen of Jesus Christ, he's handsome. Every movie I've ever seen, The Passion of the Christ, uh, going back to Cecil B. DeMille's original silent movie of Jesus, he was attractive. He was somebody you would look at and not be repulsed by. But that is not the biblical image given Jesus Christ. I believe that one of the reasons it explains a mystery of why Jesus Christ, because, man, his teaching was phenomenal. He was the best teacher there ever had heard and ever will hear. He, he did all of those miracles. He helped all of those people. He was a man of peace why would they reject him just outright? Because they looked at him, and the old world's way of doing things is that man cannot represent us. Like my mother-in-law voting for Bill Clinton. I said, Ma, don't you care what he believes? She says, I never can figure all that out. He's just a good-looking man. You want to know how we got the guy in office? There's a lot of questions this answers. Man, it answers a lot of questions why they, why they uh, would not. Do. It also answers the question why the poor people accepted him. It answers the question why the why they so-called rich and famous and good-looking and the beautiful people rejected him. But it also answers the question why the rest of us accepted him. Meaning those folks that weren't good look at the folks that didn't have an endowment of form and didn't have an endowment of comeliness and didn't have an endowment of beauty uh what about those folks those folks readily accepted jesus christ why he was one of them god disguised his son so that he would not be judged by the carnality of looks but you would have to do righteous judgments when it came to Jesus. You say, well, Brother Bill. Well, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute about this. Some verses. Let me give you some verses there. John 7, 24 says, judge not according to appearance. John 7, 24. Judge not according to appearance. But judge righteous judgments. Um, verse 2 Corinthians 10, 7 says, do you look... Do ye look on the things after the outward appearance? He's, he's judging them for that. I believe this is why Pilate missed him. I believe this is why Herod missed him. I believe that's why the Sanhedrin missed him. He was from the wrong city, the wrong type of family. He was a carpenter. He was a poor man. He was uneducated. 
the, 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 the Pharisees, Sadducees kept coming up to him saying, what school did you go Where'd you get this learning? Even his own family said, we know you. Where'd you get all this learning? We know you. We know where you came from. What? Who are you? Who are you making yourself out to be? He, and most, maybe of all, he had the wrong look. He had the wrong look. You say, Pastor, this is far out. Is it? Is it? Think of the Apostle Paul. He used to be called Saul, but his name was changed to Paul. Do you know what Paul means? Little. Little. Paul means little. Paul, by his very demeanor, was a short guy. I think, personally, he was probably a short guy that had been beat to a pulp over and over and over again. He was, he was scarred. The Bible said he even of himself says he was rude in speech. That means, I looked the word up, it means speech of an ignoramus. The word rude, when he calls it, I was rude in speech, he says, I have the speech of an ignoramus. What is the speech of an ignoramus? It's some sort of speech that you don't normally hear that could maybe have a, maybe a speech impediment or something like that. But Paul had been beaten to the place where maybe, his, maybe by the fact that he was stoned to death once outside of Lystra and was raised up from the dead, and maybe the fact is part of his speech, part of his brain was damaged, and maybe he had some sort of, of a lisp or some sort of a speech impediment that was hard to listen to. I've had it. One time I lost my front tooth. I lost it on a Saturday night because God had a plan. Dentists don't come in really much on Sunday morning. So I lost it on Saturday night late. I was scheduled to preach the next morning. And my wife said, you're not going to preach without your front tooth. I said, why not? It'll make some memories. Oh, Oh, it did. When you lose your front tooth, what I didn't understand, you can't go, no Fs. Fs. When the tooth's not there, the wind just goes by. And you say, Fs. I can't even, I can't even reproduce what it sounded like. But my wife, all I can tell you is my wife laughed hilariously and uncontrollably every time I said the word, the word with an F in it. And I said, how am I supposed to get out in front of these people with any degree of seriousness with this, and that was just one tooth gone. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is, Paul the Apostle said, I'm rude in speech. He said, I have, I have a, 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 translated the, spooch, the, speech, the, spooch, the speech of an ignoramus. I don't know, I don't know, but it was bad. By the way, he was little. He had, the, he had a speech impediment. Something was wrong with his eyes. I don't know what it was, but something was wrong. He possibly had teeth missing. It would not seem at all in the first century that you would have teeth missing. If you go to any third world country, most of them people, they get a cavity that's pulled their teeth, and he very likely he had lost a bunch of teeth. Plus, look, he was stoned. He was beaten. He was scarred frontward, backward, sideways, head, face. He was a mess. Jesus, when he called him, says, I'm going to show you what great things God, you'll suffer for my namesake. Now, when God says great, he means great. So Paul is an example after Jesus of God again disguising 
the best teacher that probably ever walked the face of the earth beside Jesus Christ himself was the Apostle Paul, who knew the Old Testament very likely by memory and was given direct teaching by Jesus, wrote 14 of the 27 New Testament books. What would I like to sit under the Apostle Paul? But ask yourself the question, would you now? Because if I said, Paul, come on, you're up to preach. And this old boy walks in with a limp, and, and, and he, he's, you know, he's like this, and he walks in, and he, and he starts talking, and, and he's got teeth missing, and, he's, and he can't say his Fs. Not going to be conducive. I've taken speech classes, brother. You have too. You've got to have the right pitch, punch, pause, and progress. You got to have the right movements, the right this, the right that, the right this, the right that, or people are gonna. It will be not. It won't be conducive to them getting what you're trying to say. But isn't it interesting the way God does it? He says, "I'm going to send you Jesus." There's no form. There's no comeliness. There's no beauty that you're going to even want to look at him. In fact, look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. He's despised. The word despised means to disdain. Every one of you have done it because every one of you walk in the flesh from time to time. You've disdained somebody. Have you ever gone by some homeless guy or some some bum? You ever been pumping gas and some old smelly bum? I mean, you can smell him five feet away. He hadn't showered in about seven, eight months. Got roaches crawling out of his hair. sleeping on the ground and he comes up to you and wants to get real close to you and his breasts would knock a, a bull on a full charge over and he comes up to you and he said man you got a couple of dollars man he wants to get really in your personal space you dis there's something that physically comes over it's it's he was despised he was disdained And we esteemed him not. We esteemed him not. Wow. We're not supposed to judge on the outward appearance. We're supposed to judge on the heart. We we are to judge on those things which make a difference. In 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, the whole chapter verses 1 all the way through 7, one of the greatest places of the whole Bible where women are given instructions on how to win their unsaved husbands. If you have an unsaved husband, you must go to 1 Peter chapter 3, and God will tell you how to do it. You do it without a word. You don't nag him to death. You don't, you don't force Bible studies on him. You serve him. Men can fight. We can fight. I, can, I, can, I like a good fight. I, I can fight. But don't don't treat me with kindness. I can't take it. You ever heard of the thing killing with kindness? Men can fight like dogs, man. We can fight back here, but you get you be kind to us, you be sweet to us. Oh, well, you can have it all. You can have everything. And eighty percent of the women control most of the wealth of America. They do have it all. And so a man, if you if, if you're not gonna get it by fighting and wrestling and barking or no no. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, look what he says here in verse 3. He says to these women, 
that want to do right and live for God. He said, let your adorning, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning. Let's just stop there with all the rest because I don't need to go into the plating of hair and all that other stuff. I'm not saying you're supposed to figure out how you can look bad. But what you're not supposed to do is put your looks as number one thing. Are you listening? We are such a look beauty oriented group of people. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have your teeth fixed. I'm not saying you shouldn't take a shower. I'm for you taking a shower. But we should not put all of our weight on the externalities of life, but on the internalities, the things that make a difference. How about loyalty? How about honesty? How about trustworthiness? How about faithfulness? You can't see that. All of the qualities of the Son of God were internal in Him. And God shut off the externalities to them. Through, through the Jesus Christ as well as through the Apostle Paul, He said, you're not going to choose me because it looks good. You're going to choose me because it is good. Are you listening? You're going to choose Jesus not on what it'll do for you. You're going to choose Jesus because it's the right thing to do. And He's the Savior, the Son of God, and He'll forgive you of all your sins and adopt you into His family. Glory. Think of the genius of this. God says He's Son into the world, no beauty that we should desire Him. He's rejected, he's, he's despised, he's rejected man, a man of sorrows, he's acquainted with grief. We hid, as it for our, for, we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. That makes sense now? God wanted people to receive his son based on who he was, not on what he looked like. Not on the Bill Clinton syndrome, which I thought was, he was, I personally thought he was ugly. They missed God. Think about what happened. They missed God. The poor people who did not judge on externalities, they found Him. They got saved in droves. The rich people, the people of beauty, not just rich money-wise, but rich in looks, rich in favor. Most of them, most of them, not all of them, but most of them missed Him. And I think that still goes on today. He came to save the poor, those that do not have high opinions of themselves, the humble of spirit. But they miss God. Be warned, this will happen to you. By the way, let's just go back and example John the Baptist. How did he come? John the Baptist. God sent John the Baptist as a wild man. He was an independent, fundamental King James Bible, Baptist. I know he was Baptist because his name was. And he came and he had animals. He was a, he was a life member of the NRA because he had an animal skin. 
I think it was a lion skin. I think it was Cecil. And he walked around with his lion skin outfit on. And he ate bugs and wild honey. And he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And who received him? The poor received him. Because they didn't judge him by looks. Who rejected him? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, which judged by outward appearance and judged in righteous judgment. They came to him and they said, we want to be baptized. They said, I'm not going to baptize you boys. You first bring fruits of repentance. Hum, basically, humble yourself. I'll baptize you. You don't humble yourself. I ain't going to baptize you. And, he didn't, he, and they rejected John the Baptist. By the way, both Jesus and John the Baptist were killed by what they believed. Jesus comes as a lowly carpenter, ugly, unattractive, uneducated, challenging the foundations of their hypocrisy and their dead religion. And that's why both John the Baptist and Jesus were both murdered in some, de in some, degree, in some degree. I hope today you'll go away and meditate on this a little bit, like I did for many of those hours that I was driving up those uh, highways to Bismarck. And chewing over the bigger picture of the Bible on that God wants real quality in your life. And he knows, you know, I feel sorry. Now, I mean this with all my heart. I feel sorry for beautiful women. I have had beautiful high school girls in our high school. I've had beautiful to look upon girls in our high school. And I sit them down across from me in a little bit of counseling. And I'm saying, you understand that you have, God has endowed you with good looks, and that men flock all over you and are attracted to you. You understand that? Well, yes. Do you understand it's going to be a lot harder for you to live for Jesus than it will be the rest of these girls? Well, they think it's been a blessing that they got those looks, but truthfully, I look at it like a curse. It's a curse. It's a curse. Because they won't know what's legitimate and what's not legitimate. They won't know who's real and just wants them for what they look like or who's real and wants them for who they are. It's confusing. The rest of us, if we just get anybody to pay attention to us, we know it's got to be real. We say, Ugh. Father, help us understand this today. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before us as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness, when we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected, a man, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as that were our faces from him. He is despised, and we esteemed him not. Father, we pray that you'd anoint this few words that folks in here may not miss Jesus, may, may not miss Christian the Christian message because of externalities. That they may understand who Jesus really is, the Son of God, the creator of all they see and what they don't see. And that He came and loved them so much that He died upon old Calvary, shed His blood, the third day resurrected from the dead, purchasing their salvation if they would believe. 
All God asks us now is to believe. Will you believe? Will you believe that Jesus came, He died, He rose again the third day for your sin? Will you believe? You say, preacher, I don't have much belief. Well, pray this. Lord, I, I believe, help thou my unbelief. It takes a belief of a little five-year-old child can be saved. Will you believe? Jesus said at one place in the, in, the, in the Gospels, He said, If you believe on me, you shall never die. Believest thou this? Many of those people looked at Him and said, Surely from a guy that looks like that, that can't be so. That's not what God would do. And they missed God. They missed Him because they judged on the outward appearance and not on the heart. God help us in Jesus' name.